hand into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Uh, and yes, folks, it is another episode of the spoiler room. Oh. Host Mark the Movie Man here. Yes, we're diving into this. And I have with me tonight a lone crew member who has braved this film with me uh, to talk about it. And it is we are talking about Terror Vision. We're kicking off Halloween with, of course, uh, four episodes uh, horror-related. I tried to pick kind of TV horror-related films this month, so I'll just uh, keep an eye out. We got some interesting stuff coming up, and an interesting one tonight. Wouldn't you say, Scotty D? Uh, I would say so, and this ex- helps explain a lot because I think that you had mentioned, if you if this isn't giving up like part of the show too quickly, no. um, I think you had mentioned uh, afterwards that this was your first time seeing this movie, and yeah. I was kind of like wondering, like, well, how does that happen? I mean, like, how does like not only like like did you not miss miss the movie, which is fu- you know it, it's a strange movie, I get that, but it's like you know well then how do you decide to do a an episode on Terror Vision of all things? If you hadn't seen it a bunch like I have, <laughs> so. because I live life on the edge, man, and I want you know, I, I want to also use the show to help explore uh, unusual films other people may have not have heard, including myself. So, mm. <laughs> so uh, you know, I like to keep things interesting and and you know even even surprise myself. And yes, uh, we are talking about the 1986 film. Terror Vision, directed by Mr. Ted Nicolau. Intellectual decay! Turn it off and watch your brain cells! The Puttermans are just a typical American family. The only thing they're missing is a pet. But have we got a surprise for them? You see, Stanley Putterman's new satellite TV has just gone on the blink. And it's drawn in a creature from outer space. Like all new pets, this one's causing a little trouble around the house. And he's eating the Puttermans out of house and home. In fact, it seems like this creature will eat anything. Well, just about anything. You look right at my studs and cooled out. This dude's into metal! Now, it's up to the kids to break the creature of its bad habits. I said shut up! But he's not responding well to discipline. Earth children, please, I mean you no harm. I am Pluthar, here to save you. The Puttermans finally got themselves a pet, but they never even had a chance to give it a name. Terror Vision from Empire Pictures. I hope I pronounced that right. 
I have heard, you know, it looks completely like Nicolau. I have heard it pronounced Nicolo. Oh, but okay. you know what? I still see it as every time I see it, I see it as Nicolau. So I've, I always, I've said Nicolau ever since I, since uh, I became conscious of him around subspecies. So, yeah, I know. Well, there's a lot of interesting things with this film that I, I was surprised about. Uh, this is now this film is, uh, early uh production of mr charles band is it not uh yeah middle production it was during the uh empire pictures days uh actually kind of probably i would say maybe the middle of the empire pictures days mm -hmm. uh uh 86 uh where they were like basically releasing something just constantly releasing stuff <laughs> uh they had they got a hold of that old uh, dino de laurentis studio in italy and they were just kind of churning these suckers out. Uh, I don't think this was shot in Italy, although it was obviously all on a set. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, uh, nope, well, I'll be damned. Nope, it was shot on the on the set in Rome, Italy. I just checked. Yes, it was. So yes, this was. Sh even though it's it, even though you could have put the set up anywhere, they flew everybody to Rome. That's the smart thinking that kept Empire Pictures running another full two years after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a char this is totally Charles Band and also produced by his dad, Albert Band. Ah, okay. I I cuz I saw a lot of bands in the in the credit in the oh. opening credits of this film. It's like, wow. Yeah, well there's there's the Charles there's Charles yeah, there's Charles Band uh, uh -huh. and then there's his dad, Albert Band, who is a film director and producer. Uh, probably one of the biggest films Albert Band did as a director was uh, I Bury the Living. Oh, okay. Um mm -hmm. Which is a good flick. That's a um, great flick, yeah. And um, the and then of course there's Richard Band, who's the composer. You know, mm -hmm. he did some stuff on this, although uh, although it looks like a lot of people were kind of in there. And you got that, and it looks like there was like the just the whole uh, Empire Pictures and eventually Full Moon uh, stable of talent. You had Ted Nicolau. You had. Uh, uh, John Carl Buchler doing the uh, creature effects and such. So, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of full moon familiar faces both in front and behind the camera on this one, which surprised me. Again, as we mentioned, this was my first viewing of it. I had heard it. I've seen it on the video shelves many times. Hadn't actually watched it, but Scotty D, you've watched this film a number of years, haven't you? You remember the first time you picked it up and watched it? Yes, I wanted to see it right away. For one thing, I loved the poster. Yeah, um, it's a great poster. And, actually, and that's actually how he used to market things. This is how a lot of exploitation filmmakers used to market things, is they used to make up posters and then go to, like, con Film Festival and sell uh, investors on the film based on the poster. And they're like, hey, look at this poster. It's like, oh, great. Is this going to be... When, like... This is like, oh, when did you finish this movie? Probably in a couple months. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't have a movie. They just had a poster, and um, the, and so the poster like sold me. I'm like, oh my gosh! And yes, Charles Band. I always looked at the credits, and if I saw Charles Band, I had to see it. But I didn't get to rent it for the longest time. Uh, how I saw this was on um, completely. We didn't have cable. Completely missed that. Mm -hmm. Uh, by the time I was allowed to watch R-rated movies, you know. And um, it came on a UHF station. I want to oh, say wow. 
uh, we were living in the woods at the time, and uh, we didn't get you know old old antenna folks. You know, hey kids, ask your parents. Um, it was uh, so it was coming in very snowy again. Ask your parents, um, and uh, I think it was like channel twenty nine or channel tw maybe even channel twenty three in the Twin Cities that it was airing it, and I taped it, and I had this very very snowy print of this taped thing where you could barely see anything here's the thing is that i watched that tape of that snowy print so many times that when i watched it uh, uh again for this show on, on amazon prime you know hd and everything um yeah it looked it, 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 it i i remembered every shot mm -hmm. i just remembered everything about it I'm like yep and i didn't see the snow in my head ever when i was thinking of the movie i was just <laughs> thought about the thing and the funny thing was about that uhf thing is that they uh left in every single bit of the violence that was in this movie all the faces getting eaten people being turned into goo and eaten and the only thing that they cut out that was new to me this time watching it because this was really was my first time watching it uncut actually mm -hmm. um the only thing they left out were the uh, references to homosexuality. Oh, proving, telling to you like how far we've come <laughs> in such a short <laughs> time. It's like it's like the references, the references to to swinging and to sex and to incest and to yeah. and to uh, monsters eating people and crushing faces. That's all fine. But they made a couple lot. They had a couple lines of dialogue suggesting one of the characters was gay. Whoa! Hold the phone. There might be kids in the audience. <laughs> it's, we've we've uh, let's let us let us all let's all, you know what whether you watch it or not. Let's all say a prayer and thank thank God for Modern Family right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I watching this film. I did not expect the hyper reality feel of this film. That we got it. It, I mean, just opening the the opening. It's just like <laughs> they do the miniature shot mm -hmm. and they kit bash a number of models. Which the folks out there aren't familiar with kit bashing. You you can look it up, but basically they take regular models and then they break them apart and make them new models for sci fi films. And in this one, Scott, they weren't exactly hiding the fact they had an upside down enterprise. Nope, <laughs> nope. I'm sure he, they would look at it and say, "Like, oh, that's a homage," or "Oh, somebody snuck that in there." You know, I can just see Charles Band saying, "Oh, sure, we kind of did a little." You know, I can just see him like with that little like that that great like grin with the hucksterism that he has has say like, "Oh no, I think they did that as kind of a salute because we all grew up on sci-fi, and so it was a salute to it." Yeah, I think they went into that um so a hobby shop at the mall. And just bought, bought like about a hundred dollars worth of stuff from the, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the the spaceship collection, and one of them happened to be an Enterprise. Because <laughs> I'm a big Trekkie, you know, older school Trekkie, but they're they're doing the petting. I'm like, oh, that's a cool. They cool that you know they built the miniature. That's awesome. And then I looked at that for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's. It's an upside down enterprise. Well, Good also, it kind of helps. It, it's funny to, mm. because where do we start out in the movie? We start out at uh, the planet Pluton or something like yeah. that. It's, uh, it's sanitation a... department. So we're, it's actually 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're disposing of mutant creatures that have been either whatever mutated from DNA or experiments or whatever. And so the one creature, uh, there ends up being a mishap and he gets transmitted to Earth, being picked up by the receiver of a very unusual family, the Puttermans who are busy setting up their new satellite <laughs> and man scott could they could they embody the cliche people i mean each one of these characters is pretty much a hyped up super over the top version of your standard type of characters during the mid 80s isn't it well, the thing about that, I, and this is the thing that I love about this movie, and uh, spoiler guys, I do love it, um, is that uh, is that is that half the movie is like an old like monster movie. Yep. And then half the movie is a complete '80s satire. They have mm. everything, and we can probably reference it in greater detail if you'd like. But they have everything sure. uh, represented. We have the gigantic satellite dish that the guy insists on doing himself. We have a, a middle-aged married couple who are like these little yuppie uh, kind of cornflakes, uh, like the Marin cornflakes and such, uh, that are into the swinging scene still. Uh, we have a daughter, played by Diane Franklin, who's like this MTV-obsessed new waver, a hair metal guy. We have Rambo fetishism. We have an Elvira character uh, who's uh, in, in obsessed with workout videos. I mean, this is culture, TV, uh, what TV entertainment and move filmed entertainment was feeding into the pop culture in the eighties. And then it's regurgitated back out into this family who then has to do battle with a monster that is regurgitated out of their TV. So I mean, <laughs> I, that's what I love about the movie. I mean, it's like, it's this, it's a goofy, trashy movie, but it's really working on this other level of, I'm going to have fun with this. <laughs> it, it had a bit of, I dare say it, and I hope the Astro Radio Z family doesn't beat the crap out of me. It had a bit of John Waters' spirit to it, in a way. I can see that. I mean, I don't know if John. I mean, I I don't think that this is the type of John Wat a movie that John Waters would make. But it's def. But the characters were his, and it's definitely the type of movie he would watch. So. Right. <laughs> I mean, the characters, especially. I mean, the way they were written in that just the it, it kind of had that spirit. I'm not saying for sure, no, but it, it just kind of had that a similar vibe to that. Especially the old, you know, when we talk about the swinger couple. Who were fantastic. Garrett Graham and, and Mary uh, Warnove were fantastic in this. They are, you know, oh. they're, those are two of my favorite character actors anyway. Uh, if Garrett Graham, mm -hmm. uh, I would love to tell you that I first became aware of Garrett Graham in uh, Phantom of the Paradise, but mm -hmm. I didn't. I became aware of him in Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Yes. The title character. But Garrett Graham has been in a million different things. Uh, mm -hmm. He's been in uh, everything from good movies to bad movies. He was in the second to worst Miami Vice episode ever made. Uh, <laughs> the, the one the one, of, the one about the con man who was uh, smuggling bull semen. Oh, yes, uh, yes. That, that was him. That was him. Oh uh, and and uh, 
great. I mean, I I love this actor. I think I've always been a, a fan of him ever since I first saw him. And if he's ever in, I've seen a lot of good and bad movies that he's in. But every time I see him, I'm like, oh, I can just smile, no matter what he's playing, <laughs> you know. And he is great in this movie. Uh, and of course, then you got Mary Waranov, you know, Andy Warhol factory girl uh, turned uh, Roger Corman uh, exploitation queen. Uh, uh, also, not a bad writer in her own, or, or an artist in her own right, I might add. Mm-hmm. Uh, turned into uh, a cult movie uh, superheroine uh, via the work she did with Paul Bartel. I mean, and she's, and you might wonder, well, why is she in this trashy movie at this stage of her? This totally embodies what she was doing. Because <laughs> this is like a, this thing is kind of a, a com- combination of what she was doing with Paul Bartel and the trashy things she was doing with mm-hmm. for Corman back in the day. Well, and, and like you mentioned too, this, this film really, um, I mean, people should go into it realizing this bleeds satire. <laughs> oh, yeah. You cannot take it serious. It is a horror comedy. It does not hide that. No, it it doesn't. And who surprised me in here was a young Sonny Carl Davis, who, uh, Mm -hmm. if anyone's caught at all on the final cut, I've been following the Evil Bong and Ginger Dead Man series for... Oh, you you shouldn't do that. What reason? (laughs) I don't know. But we have the ongoing twice-baked review series where I covered all the films in both franchises so far. And uh, Carl study, Carl Davis was in that. And I always liked him in those films. He was probably one of the highlights and to see him, a younger him as the uh, uh, satellite repairman was, was great. I mean, he, he was hilarious too. I mean, this whole cast, don't they, they seem to really have a great chemistry together. They, they seem to play off each other really well. Yeah, they did, and you know, Sonny Carl Davis is a uh, is a good uh, character actor himself. You know, he was actually in a lot of really acclaimed uh, indie films uh, early on in his career, uh, mm-hmm. like Last Night at the Alamo and such like that. Uh, won't pretend that I've seen it, but I hear it's great. You know, and, uh, <laughs> he's been in those movies, was in movies like that, and um, he popped up in this, and then about five years later, popped up in Trancers too, and. From then on out, had a relationship with uh, uh, Charles Band's uh, films, and uh, he's always a great, uh, great person. And the fact that his name is uh, so close to uh, my family's uh, name is, is 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 an extra like giggle for me. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's very in a very expressive actor, who which I like. You know, he he really yeah. is good at the over facial expressions in that and and they just make it really really entertaining and then of course uh you got the kids Susie played by Diane Franklin who i yes. just every time she was on screen i was just kind of I, I was just pulled right into this movie and i could i could just watch her talk. i don't know if it was the way the makeup was done or what, but her character I found quite fascinating. Maybe it's because I'm a child of the 80s, but... You know, Diane Franklin is an actress, uh, and if any of our listeners don't know who she is, and I will be honest with you, because, like I said, it was years ago that I saw this, and then it was now. 
I didn't realize that was Diane Franklin until I saw saw it come up on the screen starring Diane Franklin. I'm like, holy crap, that was her! <laughs> because there is, she's one of those actresses where she's been in a lot of favorite movies uh, from back in the day. You know, she was in um, uh, Amityville 2, uh, Last American Virgin, if you really wanted to press yourself. Um, <laughs> and of course, I love Better Off Dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know she pops up as one of the, she's uh, one of the princesses and Bill and Ted and stuff like that. But um, a lot of great movies. Mm-hmm. I this when she's in a movie though, she's unlike a lot of young actresses who kind of found like a niche where they kind of went in they went into it and it's like okay Molly Ringwald is a really good actress she went fit into this Ellie Sheedy fit into this. Um, she was different in every movie that she was in. So that's, I think, one of the reasons why I didn't realize it was her until I saw the credits pop up on this. I'm like, holy cow! Because, of course, she's much more animated. She's like this punky, new wave girl and stuff like that, which is totally at odds with like the foreign exchange student she played in uh, Better Off Dead or the, uh, or the you know, aspiring college student and how I got into college, you know, and all those parts, you know. Uh, she's uh, an actress who is versatile right from the get-go and so it, it's always it was a real real a lot of fun to see her in this in this part yeah and she just played it up i mean everybody plays it up but then again on oh the you s- have to turn it up you, you, yeah you, you have to, to turn, turn it up. all the way up in this movie <laughs> which it had to be kind of easy for the set how big was this house scott <laughs> this house was huge wasn't it <laughs> This was a California set. Uh, set. Uh, I don't think we ever actually found out what the Puttermans did for a living in the movie. No, we don't. Uh, but I mean, it's a. But it's an. It's an impressive house. It's um, spread out. My dog is making noise here, so she wants to join in on the show, but she can't because she doesn't speak. <laughs> so, but, <laughs> sorry, but anyway, it's a huge house. Uh, it's got. You know, it's got statues and like really horrible cheesy sexually explicit art on the walls and um and uh lots of weird lighting schemes and a giant jacuzzi and such it was a big house i've i'll bet you he was some i'll bet you they were they were like some kind of uh he, he i think mr putterman was a big yuppie guy who was big in who made it big uh during the reagan years of uh being that special select part uh selection of the company who really mopped it up and then came down came home and embarrassed himself by trying by self-centered douche (laughs) 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 off the screen too and so and i love that if you watch this thing as i mentioned before i love that if you watch it it was obviously a set because if you look outside that's obviously not outside when they're looking out the window it's obviously like a painted set (laughs) there's a scene when uh when sonny carl davis's character comes into the backyard to repair the satellite and you actually watch the quote-unquote night sky ripple because the blanket (laughs) with the Christmas lights on it, the blanket moves or whatever they have hanging the lights. Which works for this movie, yeah. I saw that and I just chuckled. I'm like, oh, but you know what? That's one of those things where it kind of fit in a movie like this. Oh, yeah. 
you let things like that kind of go because at by that point you know what film you're getting which is just oh yeah insane. and oh. and don't forget the other kid who is our actual who is our real star of the movie no matter who gets top billing is the film debut of a very young chad allen yes would then go on to film and tv stardom and uh you know, do quite well for himself uh, throughout like the '90s and 2000s and such. Um, yeah, I, I just love the fact that here he is, was he like 11 or 12 in this house that has a whole bunch of like the pleasure palace, and the the parents have decorated it with these really badly, as as Scott mentioned, the badly sexually explicit <laughs> pictures that I'm just like, wow, what dime store did they find those from? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that, that, and that was, it was, a, it was an exaggeration of that whole swinging lifestyle from mm -hmm. uh, the mid-70s, early 80s that uh, they tried to, uh, you heard a lot about, but really the only times you actually would ever see a house that really looked like that was in like a porno. <laughs> like, right. It's like it's like what? This is my house. What no, normal people's don'ts lives like this? <laughs> you know? It totally felt like a porno. I'm like, oh man. You can, you can totally see it's like a kid. Stay away. They're they're shooting here over the weekend. Maybe that's what he did for a living. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? He could have. I mean, I, you don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I think so. He was the type of character where you could see him probably doing that. And uh, these other characters, and yes, we're focusing on these characters because they're mm. all just so well-performed, though over-the-top and insane. We have to mention Bert uh, Remsen as mm -hmm. Grandpa. He's great. Oh, oh, my Lord. As the crazy military Grandpa. Uh, what do you think about it? I mean, he, he crops up here, and I'm like, holy crap, it's Bert Remsen. Bert Ramson comes comes in, comes in, and he just and he knows what it is. He yeah. knows what it is. And apparently, on the IMDb, apparently he was uh, modeled after uh, an old street performer who used to be like to give like anti-war messages satirical <laughs> on the street. But uh, I don't know anything about that. Uh, sure. But uh, he comes in and he just has that whole General Patton survivalist uh, <laughs> thing. I mean, basically, if you can imagine a time. When old people, like, if you can, like, imagine a time when an 80-year-old Alex Jones would have been likable, that would have been him. But Alex Jones is not 80 years old, and he's not likable, so I, I know how it's hard. But he was just this guy who comes in there dressed like General Patton and and uh, talking about, like, all this military jargon, and he's... uh he is prepared, always thinking about a commie takeover, and he's uh, always uh, preparing for uh, the end of the world. So, they have, so that's why it, this house, in addition to everything else, has a bomb shelter in it. <laughs> and uh, shelter that was pretty. And, big and he, it was a huge. It was way bigger than a, your standard bomb shelter. And uh, he uh, he also, of course, uh, uh, sells the greatest food ever. Uh, the uh, Lizard, uh, lizard tails. tails. <laughs> he sells well, lizard because tails. they grow back. They you eat forever. <laughs> you can eat the lizard tails every time they. they yeah, and my you know favorite. Well, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say the crazy as that is. 
uh, it almost made some sense. <laughs> it did make some sense, and I'm thinking like, okay, that's starting to make sense, which just goes to show you, I've been watching this movie too long. <laughs> <laughs> because it's starting to rot my brain. <laughs> well, we're okay my until we start seeing you buy up a collection of lizards. Then we'll need to get yeah. some intervention going on, Scott. One of my other favorite character actors, if we can mention him, is that Jonathan Grease is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane Franklin has uh, the, char- the who plays Susie. She has a new boyfriend who's a brilliant musician, and he's like this like awful like uh, hair metal guy, and he's obviously like. 10 years older than any young person in the cast. <laughs> and it's it's Jonathan Grease who plays uh, OD uh, or as Garrett Graham says, oh, Irish boy? Yeah. <laughs> he plays OD who is a hair metal guy, uh, guy who's not too bright and he's this loud, obnoxious person and if you ever get a chance to see a great devil preacher would probably be to pair this up with a, another great uh, over-the-top Jonathan Grease uh, performance as Vidiot in the movie Joysticks, which is one of the greatest teen sex comedies of all time. Um, <laughs> if you could do that. like, Because uh, he is in both these movies, and he's great. He's just, just like so over-the-top. Oh, yeah, I love I loved his rocker character. He was just hilarious yeah. and using and, all the using all the wasp paraphernalia that they didn't use on the set of Dungeon Master. So. <laughs> I noticed that was rather prevalent with him. Uh, and then uh, we just have to mention to Jennifer Richards as Medusa. Oh my lord! Uh, I wanted her to be a real horror host. She was good. She was good in the part. Uh, I I don't know if she had a larger part in any of the other movies she was in because I haven't seen – I was looking up her credits, and I hadn't really seen too many of them, I'm sorry to say. But um, but she played although I've probably, well. although I've probably seen her on Night Court because she was on that, and I've seen every episode of that. But, you know, but uh, she she played this the, – the, a Medusa part, which was very obviously supposed to be Elvira. Even Elva, even Medusa's theme music is almost copyright infringingly. <laughs> well, the title <laughs> sequence and her her similar her, to movie macabre, you know. Yeah. Her her mannerisms and it just you know it was just like wow. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> good thing you dressed her up as Medusa and not like. Vampira, or you might have some lawyers calling. You. Yeah, they they did the they did a whole st- a shtick where it was Medusa, and she made jokes about it, the mm-hmm. about you know turning to stone and everything like that. And so I think that kept them out. But like the theme music and everything, I mean, it was very obviously who she was supposed to be. Lots of double entendres. Um, character was not as bubbly as mm-hmm. uh, Elvira, because that's the thing about Elvira is really she's kind of like. Uh, vaudeville bubbly almost you know yes. and uh her character was like very serious but with lots of double entendres and lots of she was very actually her approach was kind of more similar to what vampira was but mm-hmm. even though the show was very obviously supposed to be ripping off Elvira. <laughs> yeah so we have all these cast of characters and they are doing battle or falling victim to eventually to a gigantic mutant monster who travels around the house via uh, TVs. Now, I tell you, 
for a film of this nature, for the budget they're on, I was totally impressed by this monster as a practical effect. This thing was not only huge, but involved and so grotesque. Well, it was involved, but let's be honest about a couple things here, Mark. Okay, okay. <laughs> it, all right. It, it was a, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm totally with you. I love the design of the of the creature. I think John Carl Buechler is great. I think he's very talented. Um, the way they got around, the way it looks so uh, great most of the time is that if you see a full body shot out of the monster, its mouth is moving and mm -hmm. its eyes are moving. It has googly eyes, which I think is awesome. A monster with googly eyes in a movie. How great is that? Uh, for the rest of it, like whenever it's moving or whenever like the tongue shoots out or something like that, it's close up. So it's never all, all it never move. You never actually see the whole monster move. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> and you never true. see like the tongue come out like while it's in full body shot. It's always like full body shot. It's the it's the eyes and the mouth, and then it'll go for close-ups. But no, no, this is no, this is clever because lots of great uh, uh, low-budget filmmakers have done this. Is they've got managed to get more out of their monster effects like this, where it's only using close-up, where it's always like that. Well. Probably in your head, you were picturing like, oh, I could have sworn I saw this thing move. Yeah, great. <laughs> but you didn't. No. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, very talented folks controlling this very uh, large puppet. And the camera effects, too, really give the impression, <laughs> you know, that this this thing is, is highly more involved, though. You're right, Scott. It probably isn't. But thanks to some creativity, it really makes it seem like that. But I mean, I liked, I liked the story behind it, you know, that what they came up with it too. It, it almost had a bit of an Audrey two feel to it. Or, or am I alone on it? Did, did it kind of feel a little bit like Audrey two with the way he used the faces and such? I guess I don't, I never really thought of it like mm -hmm. that, but I can see that, you know, this was released around the same time as the, uh, uh, musical Little Shop of Horrors sure. movie, uh, the Frank Oz one. So, uh, of course, that's probably the one you're talking about because let's face it, the other one was like paper mache. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking a little bit more like the yeah, like yeah. That, uh, I can you know. I can see that. No, I can see that. You know, it's 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 a monster that seems largely stationary when it's on there, and then that mouth just goes, <laughs> and um, I can see that. Yeah. And, and the way it ate people, I thought was funny in that it like predigests them before it it eats them usually, either with its claw hand or the tongue, where it it would what liquefy them and then suck it up with the tongue. It was yeah, it would like turn them into like this little barf slurry, uh, and uh, then lick it up with and then like lick it up with the tongue, like almost like brundlefly, like but times one hundred. Yeah, and um, and, and and suck them all up. And the funny thing was, is that sometimes it, sometimes it wound up like sucking up some of the clothes and everything as well. So you kind of like, okay, well, you can digest that. What the hell? Eat <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... it, yeah. Just eat them all. Why? And it, why can, you... mimic, and it can mimic those people too. Is the thing. Yeah, that's what surprised me. Is like suddenly it, it, it's starting to mimic people. I'm like, 
whoa, okay, I didn't expect that angle taken with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, it, it, creepy th- the on the on the end of the tongue, and I guess well, they play at the the idea that it evolves as it eats more people is what I, I got from it. I think at one point from the one of the uh, uh, Star Trek ripoff aliens that they had for... Possibly by, possibly by that I was kind of drooling, so... <laughs> <laughs> were, were, were you drooling because of that or because of Randy Brooks? Uh, no, cherry. No, <laughs> no, I was not. I was not a. I was not a cherry person for you this movie. Cherry, no, you were more of Medusa, right? <laughs> I was. Yeah, I was more of a Medusa. T- I was. I would. Medusa is kind of more my type. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, a bit of. Uh, I was. I was more. Was, who am I kidding? I was more of a Diane Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's. She was in her twenties, <laughs> so. Oh yeah, but and Mary Warano. Yeah, no, it's, it's just uh, it, it 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 this movie, I will say in some respects, just blew me away. And for the most part, the energy for it really felt great. I think though, it does run into a little bit of a pacing type thing when they get to the kids trying to train the alien. That, yeah, I'd forgotten. That's the one part I had forgotten completely about. You know, and and for me, it felt like, oh, this is going great. And then they get to this part, and then it just not long, but just noticeable enough to where it seemed the pacing kind of dragged a little. Like, okay, now they're just trying to get the full feature <laughs> length out of this film. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I thought. You know, they were trying to like. They were, you know, and they were trying to skewer a couple other things in there. They're trying to skewer ET a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, for eighties, and also skewer just the whole idea about how they're planning to exploit the monster for money, um, which was like a very, uh, like, like, oh, that's a very American thing for you to do. So good for you. <laughs> the, um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I can see that it, it the scenes aren't bad. You know, because you know, because you know, things are gonna like the kids start to think like, oh, maybe this thing didn't. Why they didn't think that this monster ate the parents at that point? I don't know. Or right. like, boiler room guys, sorry. Um, uh, why they didn't think that this monster ate them at that point? Like, okay, well, because they saw them earlier. Like, yes, but you now know that there is a monster. <laughs> Right. It's a monster. They know okay, that you didn't think there was a monster before, right. so now that you know that there's a monster, you, why would you say like, "Oh, there's a monster"? I, why wouldn't you say like, "I was right all along"? No, it's like, "Oh, and now there's a monster." Mm-hmm. I guess these people. <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't think that, but I mean, like, you're kind of waiting yeah. when they are training the monster uh, for the other shoe to drop mm-hmm. and for people to get eaten, and. Uh, you know it's going to happen, so it's going to ha- so that adds a little bit of edge to it. But yeah, it's like about ten fifteen minutes that uh, was just used to bring the film up to an eighty five minute running time, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean, you could tell because the it, it, it's one part that got to me. I mean, you're right; the scenes are well acted and and everything. There's nothing wrong with the scenes, and they they kind of fit. You know, they kind of play it off enough to where you kind of buy in, okay, these characters are doing this. But at the same time, the energy 
just kind of slowed down in these because up until then it was just like bang 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 it was just like constant kinetic wild energy that kept going through this movie uh that i, yeah, I and now and, and, and now charles band takes 40 minute movies and moves them up to 70 minutes length so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he, not all, too much has changed it's just that he, he has less to, less to work with and more to stretch yeah. out he did you know when he has you know i i tease a tease him but you know it's out of love even if it's but you know when he had when he had materials at his disposal mm-hmm. there there could be some really great Great exploitation flicks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was some great. St- I always love earlier full moon stuff than later full moon stuff, just because that's the stuff. Not just because I nostalgia and that's what I grew up with, but it was great to see how inventive and creative they got with what little they had. <laughs> oh know? yeah. You, you know, I mean, subspecies. You, you got subspecies in there, which. This director who did this did what uh, the first three, or did he do all? Because no, he did he did all of them, didn't he? I think he did all of them. Yeah. Plus, then he also gave us that Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys movie. We don't think we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm told there's a film out there called Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. But you know, Toys when... But he did do other th- you know, he did some other stuff too. He did, you know, a couple good, some of the better um, uh, family films that uh, Full Moon was putting out. He did those, and uh, had channels and such like that. So I mean, like he he's done he's done quite a bit uh, for them. Yeah. What was what was odd is that this was now his. He has basic. He had basically made like a few uh shorts basically mm-hmm. uh or basically a couple like add-ons for other full moon flicks he was one of the directors on dungeon master he was um he uh he shot the additional footage for that linda blair flick savage island mm-hmm. uh but this is like his first full length uh feature and it's re- and it just really has a lot of energy to it. It's probably wasn't what anybody was expecting when they uh, heard about this movie initially. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And for a first time out for him being full on in the director's chair, I-, I thought he did well. I mean, for the type of material it is, this almost was like, you know, Charles Band was like, okay, here's your budget, here's your set. Get me a movie that's eighty six minutes long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it almost has that feel. Like you just, you know, there was no producer or anything involved. It was just like you know that old scene in Ed Wood, which is, I need a movie that's eighty six minutes long. You know, I don't care. I need three reels or two reels. I, I don't care what you put out of just. I need two reels. Hmm. Yeah, and well, I mean, I think that back in the day, uh, band may have, band cared a bit more than that because uh, mm-hmm. he was because Empire was a legitimate like mini major basically at that point, uh, sure. which was one of those great exploitation companies that would, uh, if they were allowed to survive, they could have. Fortunately, they grew too fast, uh, too quickly. 
You know, that was right. Charles Vance's thing. He always got really overzealous. We're going to do this many movies, you know. And uh, he and so that's what happened. They kind of stretched themselves a bit too thin and they didn't quite get what they needed to do. But uh, nowadays he definitely is. He said he says, like, I think he would say, like, I need 70 minutes of mm-hmm. what? I, I, I that was all. <laughs> you know? It's like I don't care if it's new footage, I don't care if it's stock footage, but I need seventy minutes. I think that would be him today. But <laughs> well, that was one of the things. Though you you look at some of not all, but some of the full moon today, and you look at this film. What surprised me was, I mean, of course you have the cultural reference characters, but if you look at the quality of this film, now I got a chance to see the the Blu-ray rip. Of it, the, the the Blu-ray or the high def, which, which I do, H- which I do have. Yeah. I just didn't feel like digging it out of a box, which so yeah, that's why I watched. You know, I I got to see the the Blu-ray version of this, and man, looking at it, the way everything is lit and colored and everything, you could have almost swore that was made yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah, it looks it looks. I mean, most of the film is interiors. It all takes place in the house, but mm-hmm. it's, I mean it. It's a very colorful film, and it's really impressively shot. They really use all the space really well. Yeah, that that house has so much going on. I think it it helps with <laughs> with it. Mm-hmm. You know that that set is a full set too, it, and it yeah. must have to do with the fact, like you said, that it was kind of at at, uh, at the studio's height because it impressed how much you know because a, a, a number of indie films, let's face it, especially those on lower budget. The houses are usually sparsely furnished mm-hmm. you know, when there's sets in that. And this, this, I mean, this one felt like a full-on house. It was like very impressive with so much visual stuff going on in it. So yeah, and yeah, I think that uh, if I'm not mistaken, if, if I'm remembering right from the old Empire uh, book that was made done on Empire Pictures, and suggest you anybody check that out. It just not just because I'm quoted in it. <laughs> is is the uh, old review is quoted, uh, but uh, a hold of the um, <clears throat> when the De Laurentiis Entertainment Group (DEG Pictures) when that was running into financial trouble, he was able to buy that studio that the the actual set, uh, studio set mm-hmm. from De, De Laurentiis for cheap. If I'm not mistaken, it was something like that. Wow. where uh, he was able to buy this old set for cheap or something like that. And so he said, this is great. And Empire Pictures was just starting out. Uh, he moved everything over there and he says, okay, we are shooting a ton of movies <laughs> on this set, you know? And so all these people would be like, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, where are we shooting it? Rome. Like, but it's an American movie. Yes. It's all indoors. Yes. <laughs> Okay, when's my flight? It's <laughs> 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 going to roll. Okay, fine. <laughs> we are using every inch of that set, and he did for a few years. And I think that something similar happened. I think he bought a. I think he bought a set in Romania during uh, the full moon years too. So, yeah, I, I, I think so too. Uh, if you're, you're right. Uh, yeah. you probably are. I mean, you're just a warehouse of knowledge and. <laughs> Some of it might even be correct. <laughs> Some of it might even be correct. Knock on wood. <laughs> but 
uh, I think we'll kind of wrap it up here tonight. Is there anything you wanted to talk about about this film that we haven't touched on already? Well, Scotty, yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, I think that um, I think the satire is fantastic. I love the theme song uh, by the Fibonacci's, uh, who is also did a lot of work with Charles Band's group. They were they were actually in the movie Ballet Girls, which was one of the later uh, mm-hmm. Empire pictures. Um, it's I I just I I I love the music. I also want to say that. Okay, shall we do a spoiler room thing and say that this is the spoiler room, uh, guys? <laughs> um, Knock yourself out. This does not end how you think it's going to end. No, that that yes. That always that caught me off guard so much when I was a kid. I was like, what? That this is the ending because you see like this plucky little family, and okay, the parents could buy it. Um, yeah. But there's got to be something to save the day or it all turns out to be a dream or something. And it literally ends with, like, the kid being sucked towards the monster's gaping mouth. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of – that's kind. it it was kind of a grim – even though it ends on a joke, it's kind of a grim uh, ending to this film. It is the the ending was a surprise. I was like, "Oh, really? Him?" <laughs> like he gets, it's like it, you know, OD dies, and it's like, "Holy crap!" It's like, <laughs> well, everybody, every yeah. single person in this movie buys it, and uh, you're meant to believe that it's still going to continue onto Terror Vision Two, I suppose. But you know, Twitch, uh, uh, yeah, and anybody out there. I'm sure Charles Band probably would not part with it, but if you give him the idea, he'll rip it off from you. And <laughs> I don't think he owns the rights to this one anymore. Oh, really? I don't wow. think so. I, they there's a catalog um, of Full Moon. If you get like one of the Full Moon catalogs, mm-hmm. uh, because it was sent to me when I won a, a bunch of stuff. I, those those contests people actually do win. I, I won the contest one year for like a two hundred dollar full moon spending spree and they sent me a full moon catalog with it and if it'll actually hit list all the charles band produced movies mm-hmm. and it's color coded as to which ones he still has the rights to oh wow he actually puts that in the back of the catalog and there's certain ones where you're like oh ghoulies he doesn't have that one anymore but he does have all of these other ones you know most of them he has sure but i don't sure. know if he has this but i don't know if he has this one I think a lot of the Empire pictures now owned by uh, MGM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if MGM yeah. wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? They're doing remakes of everything else. Do do a new terror vision. That, that's all that's all MGM does is a new remix right? of everything else. <laughs> of course nowadays if they did terror vision, it'd be all CGI. It'd be mm-hmm. like a poorly done CGI monster problem. Yeah. Terror vision meets it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's waddling across the screen. It looks like a freaking Aphex twin video. Ooh, scary. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. A little bitter there, folks. <laughs> well, well triggered there by it. Uh, <laughs> shit. But- <laughs> Unlike Terrorvision, Scotty D thinks it is shit. There he is. <laughs> I did not. I did not care for it. <laughs> but you did care for Terrorvision, so I did. I did. And, and you're right. That theme song is 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 great. And 
it, it, I just this is a film that's just I I could see myself watching it again because it's just so full of energy and in, insanity. It holds up to uh, mm-hmm. to all the uh, uh, times that I'd watched as a kid on that snowy UHF, which, given the theme of the movie, is kind of appropriate. I realize now, <laughs> um, it is um, really it. This really does hold. It's one of those movies where you watch it years later and you're like. No, this is as funny as I remember it, and uh, mm-hmm. this is as silly as I remember it, and it's as fun as I remember it. It's it's still lots of fun to watch. I mean, it's nothing more than a, a fun 86 minutes, and uh, it's the type of movie that you look at, and you're kind of surprised, and you kind of look back fondly that this is there was a time when movies like this went to the theater. Right. A movie like this would never go to the theater now. And hey, people may have gone to see it in the theater. People may have been really pissed after they got out of the theater because they may have thought it was they're going to get something much bigger or something. Which you know, honestly, after a while, you should know better. Yeah, um, if you see the na- whose name is on it, you should. <laughs> if you if you see enough of movies like this, I mean, you should at least know that you're going to get a cheap movie. You know, after a mm. while. But uh, and if you're somebody like me, you kind of like that. But. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, there's a time when this type of flick went to the theater and they got to see great sequences like that, uh, like the beginning when when the uh, it has the greatest pre-title sequence because the monster gets shot as an energy beam through space. It doesn't get just get shot through space. The energy beam ping pongs off planets like a pinball machine and then shoots right into the screen. I mean, it, it had this wonderful energy to it. It had a wonderful... It, it's a type of movie where I don't think they would even... Well, but, I mean, it's dated for the 80s, but I mean, it's the type of film that you would never see on the big screen anymore. That combination of satire and exploitation and also kind of a quaint smallness to it you just wouldn't mm-hmm. see anymore i don't think yeah it, it i mean there's some people who may have tried but it's all been direct to video you you would not see something like this on the big screen anymore um even for a limited release they just take it mm-hmm. dump it right to video on demand and say there you go yeah <laughs> it can live there go on but the you know like you said yeah some of these scenes probably looked great on the big screen i mean uh, especially the the creature probably had to be interesting to see on the big screen a lot more than I a, think so you know small screen so but there you have it folks terror vision we're going to wrap it up tonight uh, now this is the part where i ask my guests to let you know where you can find them when they're not here please scotty d let our fine listeners know where they can find some of your material uh, that's still sitting out there on the interwebs. Oh, you are in luck because since I'm not doing any more right at the moment, uh, you have plenty of time to catch up. Uh, <laughs> you can catch me at moviocrity.com. I also have a web series all about exploitation films called Moviocrity. Catch most of those episodes on YouTube, or if you want to make me really happy, you can shove it to those YouTube sensors and see every episode of Moviocrity on vimeo.com slash channel slash Moviocrity. That's where the boobies live. 
So boobies live. Oh, they're so happy there too. <laughs> Every now and then they send me a postcard and they're like, oh, this we is so it. much nicer on Vimeo. I wish people, more people, wish it was easier to search things on Vimeo and I wish more people came over here instead of constantly getting flat, getting flagged for BS on YouTube. <laughs> but they don't, you know. So you yeah. know, the boobies are lonely. The, the go visit the boob- go go visit the boobies on YouTube on on Vimeo Vimeo. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, they'll be black. They'll, no. they'll be censored on on video. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube, now so. blacked out. A, 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 you're blacked out in every country except like you know, Russia. Luxembourg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on Why? that note. And on that note, folks, I think we'll, we'll call it a night. So uh, we will tell you that go check out Terror Vision. If you're looking for something for your 31 days of horror and you need something a little lighter because you just did all those extreme horror films, you'll want to check out Terror Vision. It holds up uh, visually, production-wise. It looks like it could have been made yesterday. Still cheesy, still low-budget, but still uh, enough of a quality that I think you'll find a lot of entertainment here. And and yeah, it's it's actually a, a dark, disturbing, yet adorable little alien monster film. So uh, check it out, folks. And now, uh, say goodnight, Mr. Scotty D. Goodnight, Mr. Scotty D. Hey, all my spoiler group friends out there. If you like what you hear, why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment, and even subscribe to our channel. It always helps us out. Or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. You can drop us a tweet on the Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro. Look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.